0: My name is Jay Berkowitz from 10 Golden Rules, and I thank everyone for joining. We've had some great participation. 541 people registered for this uh, webinar, and we have 233 attendees on the call. We have an amazing panel today, and I'm going to get into that and talk to you about uh, everyone who you're going to meet today. So uh, let me just do the agenda, first of all. I'm first going to introduce our uh, amazing panel and talk a little bit about our sponsors. And I'm going to go first with one of my visions for Internet marketing. Uh, Richard Stanton, who's the CEO of Bintro.com, is going to talk to us about web semantics. Mari Smith, known as the Facebook goddess, is going to teach us all about Facebook. Jim Kukrul, the BizWeb coach, is going to cover mobile web. Maria Harrison is going to talk to us about video. David McInnes is one of my personal web icons. He is going to uh, cover um, a new type of, uh, a new way of thinking about the internet, uh, personal SEO. And Rohith Bagarva from Ogilvy 360 has a mystery for me and a mystery for all of you, and he's going to unravel that and wrap up for us. I just want to send a big thank you to our sponsors. The University of San Francisco Internet Marketing course. And I've been fortunate enough to be involved with this from the beginning as a subject matter expert and helped recruit a team of experts. And this is a new program that takes place 100% digitally. You do it all online and you can achieve your master's certificate in Internet Marketing from the University of San Francisco. And the way it's, uh, uh the way you do the course is you go online and you have to suffer through watching my smiling face, for 15-minute lectures, and there's about 12 or 14 different faculty who have prepared these 15-minute lectures. And you do eight 15-minute lectures per week, and the course comprises nine weeks to complete your uh, Internet Master Certificate. There's also weekly live meetings, and the feedback has been excellent. Uh, Thomasina Barton said, She wants to know how much she's enjoyed the course. It's very relevant. She's been in marketing for 10 years, but she's learned something valuable in every single lecture. Chad Pollitt has been really outspoken in how much he's learned from the course. He says his sales have doubled, and it's really differentiated him from everyone else in uh, in his market, in web development, and he's learned the marketing piece, and he's beating out all his competitors for the local business and web development. So a big thank you to the University of San Francisco. Our second sponsor is Bintro.com, and we're going to hear from Richard Stanton, who's the CEO of the company. And I just wanted to share my personal experience with Bintro. Bintro is an opportunity matchmaking service. And basically, the way I think of it, it's like a, a dating service for business people, and it matches you with business opportunities if you're looking for freelance work or freelance workers, if you're looking for a job or you're looking for an employee. So this is uh, what Vintro calls a broadcast, and I created a broadcast looking for a freelance copywriter, and I got a bunch of matches right away, and I'm in negotiations with some folks to do some work for me and for 10 Golden Rules. So let me kick this meeting off with the first uh, content. Um, Once again, my name is at Jay Berkowitz. And for those of you familiar with Twitter, that's my Twitter moniker, and I'd love to follow you and have you follow me back. Uh, I'm a keynote speaker and a podcaster, and I'm one of the uh, adjunct uh, faculty for the University of San Francisco course. I have a company called 10 Golden Rules, and we help people get more traffic to their website and convert that traffic into sales. I'm the author of the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing workbook and a member uh, of the uh, marketing uh, research committee for Sempo, the search engine marketing professionals, and uh, past president of the American Marketing Association, and a member of the SAFEMA Board of Directors. So my topic today, microcommunications, and my vision that I want to share with you for internet marketing is how the internet is changing. And the biggest change I see is how we take our news now. And we take our news in very small little bits and bytes. This is how I've customized my browser to open. So when I start an Internet session three or four times a day, I look at my iGoogle screen that I've customized to look at some of the top bloggers. If you see in the left-hand column are some of my top marketing blogs that I follow. I follow Seth Godin with 11 best-selling marketing books. I follow um, Steve Rubell at Micro Persuasion, Rohit Bagarva at Influential Marketing, Down the middle, I have my search engine blogs, the official Google blog and Matt Cutts blog. And on the right-hand side, of course, the 10 Golden Rules blog and some great bloggers I follow like uh, Gar Reynolds with Presentation Zen and Tony Robbins, uh, Tim Ferriss, author of the 4-Hour Workweek. So I'm taking my news in small little bits. Um, When I'm mobile, I take my news uh, digitally. I take it on a mobile phone, and this is a Google Reader set up on an iPhone. The biggest breakout in microcommunications is the site called Twitter. And hopefully many of you on the call are familiar with Twitter. And I want to give you some of the basics, if you're not, and some of the advanced approaches to marketing with Twitter. So uh, I'm on Twitter, and on the right-hand side, you see I'm following 744 people. 2,268 people are following me. Now, by following Twitter, that means when I open up Twitter, I see what people are saying in 140-character bytes. Little sound bites, little micro-communications. Um, Jeff Pulver is one of the top folks in interactive marketing. Uh, the pro blogger, one of the top bloggers in the world. Scott Monty is the um, digital media manager over at Ford Motor Company. Guy Kawasaki, um, a leader in internet entrepreneuring. So you see that I'm monitoring their short little 140-character sound bites. And I have the opportunity to send out a little note on Twitter. I'm sure a number of you saw my Twitter note, and that's why you registered for this conference. A lot of companies are using Twitter very, very successfully. This company called Woot.com sells one product per day, and they put that product out on their Twitter feed, and they also put that product um, on their blog. You see on their Twitter feed they have 14,468 followers, and... They put a product out, and a couple hours later, they sell it out. Generally, uh, and and they only sell one product per day. Here's a little tweet sent out by Whole Foods. Wow, just 24 hours after launching our baby's favorite foods photo contest, we have over 660 adorable pictures. And a number of companies, um, including Dell and Comcast and my friend Shashi Bellamkonda over at Network Solutions, are using Twitter for customer service very, very effectively. Richard at Dell, Richard Binhammer, monitors what people are saying about Dell out in the Twitterverse, and they monitor everything being said about the company on blogs, and they try and deal with customer service issues before they get out of hand. My recommendations going forward for using Twitter and using all social media are the three E's. Number one is educate. Teach people something. Share them valuable information. Retweet valuable information that other people have talked about. Lee Rosen is one of the top um, attorneys on Twitter. You see, he has over five thousand people following because he's sharing valuable information. And this tweet that I've highlighted links out to a guide, and he's answering someone's query with some free content that he has available on his site. Shaquille O'Neal is number three in the world in Twitter followers. Um, just behind Ashton Kutcher and CNN Breaking News. He has 800, 847,000 followers. And he's entertaining. He's always funny. Here he says he's about to get his Light Michael Phelps swim workout, but he says without the bong. And he's always funny, and um, he's really interacting with his audience. And Chris Brogan, who uh, many of you probably know and love, is uh, very, very popular on Twitter. You see he has 65,000 followers. And one of the things that Chris does so well is engage his audience. You see all these replies on his Twitter screen that say, um, at that means he's replying to something somebody else said. He's engaging with his audience. He's listening and he's showing them that he's watching what they're saying on Twitter. Another Twitter follow that I've really been appreciating lately is Iconic88 out of Sydney, Australia. Almost every one of the tweets that I see from Iconic, I want to retweet. And when you see an RT on a Twitter stream, that, that means you're retweeting something somebody else said. Um, so he says the language of friendship is not words but meanings. Um, books like friends should be few and well chosen. He's quoting famous people, and at the same time he's linking uh, to really incredible resources out there on the Internet. So just to wrap up, the three E's of social media. Number one, educate number two, entertain, and number three, engage. So next I want to pass the mic off to Richard Stanton at Bintro, and uh, Richard, just give me a heads up when you want me to switch the slides, and uh, go ahead and um, comment, please.
1: That's great. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate it, and uh, thank you for having us today. Jay uh, asked me to speak today a little bit about the basics of semantics. It's uh, something that's been in lab for 20 years, but I'm going to do my best to try to Put it across in the next uh, four to five minutes. Um, the, the, the the basics of the web, as you know, the cornerstone of the web is that communication is a key component. So what Jay, Jay just showed you was Twitter, which obviously is relying on a heavy amount of communication between parties, between groups, businesses, and so the next thing that we believe the web will start to to accomplish for individuals is to make that communication much more efficient, and more importantly, much more understood on behalf of the user. So in front of you, you see a slide, and simple simple statement is, I love sushi. However, if I were to say, I adore sushi, it would very much be similar in terms of the statement. So what we've done is we've changed the syntax of the sentence, but the meaning stays somewhat intact. We go one step further with the web, and we start to say, okay, but what if I make the statement that I love raw fish, right? So what we know is that sushi is defined as being raw fish. And now I'm still in that same grouping, if you would. Again, syntax has changed. Meaning has stayed the same. I go one step further and I say, I love raw tuna. Again, syntax changed. What we're finding, if you look, and I I don't have the ability to draw it, Jay, on the screen for you, but sushi, raw fish, and raw tuna all belong to one another, but if I go into a statement that actually involves none of those explicit terms and I make the statement, I had amazing Maguro last night, then in essence the web should be able to interpret that not only do I did I have a good experience but that I love sushi and I love raw tuna because the definition of Maguro, raw tuna, and obviously amazing in terms of eliciting that I love or adore something. So what we do now in the web, in, in what Bintro does, is we look at source text. We look at words on a screen. In this case, we've taken an article from happynews.com, one of my favorite websites, and we extract this source text, and we take that data. Jay, if you can turn the screen. Jay, can you turn? So we take this data and we put it into a filter, and that filter allows us to see a statement that is in an article or that a user has made and find out what about that statement or that article matters. And so what you're seeing on your screen right now are words, nouns, not noun phrases, and other words that give us a real feeling for that article was trying to get across that needle, filament, device, tissue are words that really come across as having some meaning. So we extract those terms, and we drill down even further. And we look at the word needle, and we then say, so what does the word needle really mean in this case? So we started with an article about hypodermic needles. We then extracted the words that mattered from that article. We pulled the word needle away. And we now look at the needle has other words that are either synonyms or like terms. So prick in this case, a needle pricks the skin, we then look at that word, we go one step further, and we then look and say, wait, but prick has many meanings, right? Or many different synonyms related to it. It could mean to raise the skin, it could mean to dent or to make an incision. So the key is going forward in the web space is for us to take all of this data that sits out there, whether it be 140 characters from Twitter, whether it be an article, whether it be your profile, uh, your company overview, and to be able to start putting it into these filtered systems to extract the relevance of the statement you've made and then use it to your benefit. And we do this by actually drawing from groupings of data that are currently out in the Internet space. So you, you may or may not be aware that there are all these different databases. So the term Maguro is in one of these databases. And in one of these databases, it says that it's raw fish, that it's tuna, that it belongs to the sea. And those classifications allow us to get much more intelligent data and start to work and define on your behalf what you really meant when you wrote something or spoke something, and in some cases even drew something into the future. So in the future, intelligent applications, and and Vintro being one of them now that's in beta, will have the ability to understand you. So for example, at Bintro, when we collect a profile of somebody and we ask them what they need or what they provide, we then take that information, we put it through this filtering system, and we're able to really find the essence of what you meant and come back to you and get you a highly relevant match based on the fact that we just went through all that data I just showed you to pull back, really, the true inference of your words. The other key thing about intelligent applications, the future of the web, is that they should work for you while you're not online. Right now, most of the applications we look at, from a mobile device, online, but who's representing who's working for you when you're not online? And again, a key point of applications going forward, another thing that Bintro currently does. So just to summarize, keywords will matter less. Um, Natural language, the ability to write in full sentences and phrases will become much more natural for users, and associations will become much stronger. So people, places, things will all have some sort of correlation. So when uh, Jay says, Shaquille O'Neal, you'll have a history of the teams he played for. You will have where he's lived. You'll have his sponsors. You'll have enough information to correlate back to that individual that if you made a comment about yourself, you may find some similarity with him that was hidden, an association that you couldn't visibly see. And again, artificial intelligence, which is really what we're doing here, is something that will magnify your own intelligence across the web. Um, We welcome you guys to check out our site. It is a uh, semantic data, and uh, you can obviously, as Jay said, follow us as uh, well on Twitter, at Richard Stanton for uh, our personal, and at Bintro for the company tweet.
0: Richard, thank you so much for doing that. Thank you so much for doing that. You know, one of the fascinating things about Bintro and and semantics to me, people are starting to call this Web 3.0 and the future of the Internet The future of Web 3.0 is the semantic web, the artificial intelligent web, where it understands more about what we're looking for than we actually uh, make it clear. So uh, please check out Bintro.com. I highly recommend it. She's been called the pied paper of Facebook by Fast Company. I called her a Facebook goddess. She's a relationship marketing specialist and social media business coach. She's got over 7,000 friends and fans on Facebook. Amazing, over 30,000 followers on Twitter. She's a, a, an awesome speaker, and she's shared the stage with some famous, famous people. Happy to say she's a Canadian, because I am as well. Scottish by heritage. You'll love her accent. And um, I'll turn it over next to Mari Smith.
2: Hi, Jay. Can you hear me okay? I can. Okay, fantastic. Oh, well, good. Well, I wanted to give your listeners today a couple of action steps that they can implement right away that I really see As a particular feature area of Facebook that is vastly underutilized and that is what are called Facebook fan pages and there's a lot of confusion around it not just confusion around what purpose they serve but really what to do once you get there even if you set one up and so what uh, you're looking at on the screen right now is just a screenshot of my own fan page the primary purpose of them is to represent businesses so the personal profile on Facebook is for individuals, for essentially for you to hang out with your friends. Of course, uh, for those of us that run our own businesses or that are you know in the world of business, we use it for professional networking. So you only have one profile, personal profile, but you can have uh, multiple fan pages. And this is an example of one. Now, one um, of the main reasons, first of all, to represent your business, but also to get Google indexing. Facebook fan pages are indexed by Google. And you want to choose, and I've got three areas highlighted for you here. The very top is your title. Choose your title very, very carefully because that is uh, keyword-specific. It will get embedded into the URL of your Facebook fan page, and it will get found in Google searches. In a moment, and uh, we're going to show you um, that I'm actually number one on Google for a term. Down below there, what Jay's circling around is the free stuff. That is an application that I want to make sure of all the applications that you you install on your Facebook fan page, which the, remember the primary purpose to represent your business and get indexing, is uh, this app is an app called Static FBML. It stands for Facebook Markup Language. You don't need to know that. I'm just telling you. But Static Static FBML. Now, the cool thing with static fbml is you can have multiple iterations. In fact, I have two, and I'm showing you one as a tab that just says free stuff, and one down there um, at the bottom that just says free marketing tips. In actual fact, right now, I just have the same two opt-in boxes underneath both of those, whether it's free stuff or free marketing tips. So you can have your own opt-in box right there on your Facebook fan page. And then, uh, yes, yeah, thank you. You're right on track with me here, Jay since what I've got there on the next slide just shows you that on my Facebook fan page, that's getting so much indexing. I'm always number one for the term buzz marketing specialist. I'm also, that secondary link is one of my notes being imported as my blog onto my Facebook fan page. So uh, just a little uh, proof of concept there. A couple examples here. You might want to check these out. They actually have uh, what they call vanity URL. Gary Vaynerchuk, wonderful guy to follow. There are 26,000 fans getting closer. there. He's just facebook.com forward slash Gary. This is Ellen Dedenra. She's facebook.com forward slash TV. And then the next one I have is Mashable. Pete Cashmore's phenomenal business that I love and a great source of social media information. And that's at facebook.com forward slash Mashable. Check those out for some examples. And then what I also want to reiterate is the Facebook profile that you can also have an opt-in box, and that application is what's going, is what's called Profile HTML. In fact, that, that one, you can't change the title of it. On your Facebook profile, it's actually called Profile HTML, but the good news is you can have it right there on what they call the, the wall tab. It's right there on your main profile. Um, so same thing, as the action code. And just this slide here, just talking about the specific apps that you want to install, static HTML for Facebook fan pages, profile HTML for Facebook profiles. And that's just where to find out a little bit more about me. I do write a blog at whyfacebook.com. You get all kinds of great information, tips, and whatnot. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Mari Smith. And uh, hopefully those are some useful tips for your listeners, Jane.
0: That's great, Mari. Thanks so much. Jim Kukrul will be up next, and he's going to talk to us about going mobile. Jim's a web marketer and business web coach, a speaker, award-winning blogger. He's a great guy, and he's currently writing a book called Blend This Book. So, Jim, I'll let you take it from there.
3: Well, thanks, Jay. I really appreciate uh, having me on uh, for this call because I spend a lot of time thinking about the future of internet marketing because that's what I do for a living, and that's how I help people uh, figure out how to be successful online. So I want to quickly talk about mobile, and there's another topic I want to talk about after that, but specifically I want to talk about mobile. Um, Look, mobile is a big, big deal when you're talking about the future of how you're going to make money online. Uh, A new market study uh, predicts that 50% of the world population will be using a cell phone by the end of 2009. Now, that's nothing when you think about, you know, Americans and stuff, but the world. And 35.1% of smartphone users have a household income of $100,000 or more. So the point I'm trying to get into your head now is that phone is going to become a place where you're going to do transactions. And that's going to come through uh, in multiple ways. But think about this for a second. Let me give you some example. because you're like, Jim, there's no way I'm ever going to put, uh, I'm never going to process a transaction through my phone. Well, guess what? On an iPhone right now, there's a, there's an application where I can uh, link my merchant account. You can give me your credit card number, pop it in, and I can process a transaction. So I'll give you an example. If you've ever been to an Internet marketing seminar where you have people on stage talking about a product, and then they get off the stage and they run to the back of the room and they say, my product is for sale uh, for, for discounted price right now. You can literally take a person's credit card and put it in your iPhone, or have them do it and click buy. You don't need to have a, a ching ching, you know, merchant box sitting there like you would at a, you know, at a gas station or something. You can. That's the future. Of what's going to happen? You can be sitting next to a person at the bar, at some hotel you're at having dinner, and the, and you sell them on some coaching. You go, oh, by the way, my my monthly coaching is forty seven dollars a month. Uh, would you like to buy? And they're like, yeah, I'll do it when I get home. No, you don't have to do it when you get home or get back to your hotel room. Let's do it right here on my phone. Um, Apple is a great example of doing this really well. If you've ever gone into an Apple retail store, and I recently got back in the Apple swing after over 10 years of being away, but they just do everything on their little handhelds. I know they're not really phones, but it gives you a good idea that they can do point-of-purchase anywhere you are. Um, blog tip jars, uh, tweet up point-of-purchase sales. And who needs PayPal anymore when you can do this kind of thing? Because everyone's got a credit card. And here's something that I think is really, really neat. When it comes to mobile, everybody loves coupons. You know, you do. You love to go online and find out what's cheaper. You like to get discounts. It's one of the universal truths of the internet is that people love to feel like they're getting a bargain, and that's why they buy. And everyone loves coupons. And the future is happening right now. There are companies out there that are building SMS, which is you know essentially sending text messages, and they're going to have the ability to deliver coupons to you. So and it's really smart and they can look and see, where, you know, if you have a phone with a GPS in it, you know, and you're driving past a zone in a zip code and there's an advertiser in the system, there's going to be a way for them to trigger it and say, hey, you know, you're commuting at this time of day and you're driving past my zone. Guess what? Come in and pick up dinner for the family and I'll give you a 10% coupon delivered to your phone. Walk into the store, take your phone, show it to the person at the counter. They'll scan it or write it down, however the technology is going to work. You get the 10% discount. And think about the possibilities of that. Of you, you know, of course you're opted in for these messages. But th- this is how you can, you know, retail offline, uh, online. Anyone can use these methods to get out to your audience. So those are the two big things that I see happening with the future of internet marketing. And by the way, there's a company called Selenate. Um, uh, that is that is doing this. And and one of the things that uh, they have is, here's an example. Imagine you're going to the mall to meet your friends. And you've already told them that you like to shop for electronics, right? So ahead of time when you set up your phone and you on the web browser, you said, I like electronics. So you're at the mall. And the provider comes in and says, here's a text message. We see that you're at the mall or, or you know, you're near the mall, and guess what? Here's uh, you know, 30% off at uh, Best Buy in the mall. You walk right, you choose the offers you want, walk right in the store and redeem it right there. And I see that as really something that's going to completely dramatically change the way that the businesses uh, do business online in the future because everyone's going to have these phones in their pockets. The other thing I want to talk to you about today, we're we'll going to talk about a few of the advertising benefits there. Um, reach some new prospects inexpensively and quickly. Would you like to do that? Yeah, I think you would. You want to increase your coupon response rates? Uh, You want to reuse existing content and coupons? You want to have full control over your advertising campaigns? I mean, one of the biggest problems that people have with advertising these days is very expensive. You know, that's why people are stopping. They're not getting the return on investment from newspapers and radio and things like that. This is kind of more along the lines of you being able to completely control your budget, how long, the frequency, how people redeem them. Um, so this is really something that I think that is going to change the way in the future uh, of people uh, doing internet marketing online. Okay, and, and real quick, I want to talk about something that I'm really excited about. Um, you know, for years and years, internet marketers have been selling you things like eBooks. You go online, you're an expert in stuff, and you write your ebook about how to install crown molding in my Victorian house, and you write an ebook and people come in and buy it. Well, what's happening is on the internet today is that people uh, people are everyone's an expert, and now people are starting to catch up. The technology is starting to catch up with those experts. So now we're moving to this thing which I like to call the new ebook, which is where you can actually teach a class online. So if you know a lot about how to install air conditioning vests, and you know a lot of people who want to learn how to take a class on how to do that. Now the regular person can start a business, start a university where they can do that. So there's tools that are emerging that are allowing people to do these types of things. You can recruit other teachers, um, very similar to the to the the whole thing that the that the University of San Francisco is doing, that I, that I'm part of, which is, which is a fantastic program. So start thinking from a perspective in the future. Of you don't have to just prepare a video or an ebook. Think about the fact that you know a lot about a topic and you can start to um, teach classes on that. Sell each class for $50, $10, $5, whatever you want. It's a new way. It's a futuristic way of being able to take your expertise on anything you know about and make yourself successful online. So, uh, those, are, those are the things that I think that are going to be moving forward to in the next
0: uh, very soon future. Thanks so much, Jim. Um, next up is Maria Harrison. I've known Maria for about five years now, and she's a 10-year industry vet. She's also one of the University of, uh, University of San Francisco adjunct facility. She was the vice president of marketing for Laredo Group and a director of online marketing at an IAC corp company, Interval International. She's one of the founding board members of SAFEMA, the South Florida Interactive Marketing Association, and has a Bachelor of Arts from Rhode Island College. Maria, welcome aboard, and uh, thanks for doing this.
4: Thanks for having me, Jay. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're good. Good. So uh, thank you everyone for coming today. I want to spend a little time talking about video Um, We're going to talk a little bit about the stats and what's been happening with video, the current situation of how people are using video today, and what's going to happen going forward. I'd like to talk about the usage of video. Um, In November of 2008, 12.7 billion online videos were viewed. That was up more than one-third from the previous year. Comsworld also said that more than 146 million US internet users watch. That's 77% of the total US internet audience. An eMarketer estimates that online video ad spending will reach 4.6 billion um, in just a few years. So, as we um, look at how video is used today, primarily it's used for entertainment. And the heaviest usage, not surprisingly, is among our younger generations. But that is changing. Um, Gen X is catching up, and um, there are about 31% of that generation is claiming to download videos as compared with 38% of Gen Y. So uh, I guess us older folks are getting in on the game too. And people have been talking about video advertising for a long time, and often people will say to me, why hasn't it happened yet? What is taking so long? Broadband access penetration is increasing, and uh, I would dare to say it's finally arrived. Um, And by next year, any advertiser who's really looking to engage their audience rather than interrupt their experience is going to be looking to use video, and I'm going to talk more about that on this slide. Um, So eMarketer said that online video advertising viewers is going to jump from 144 million roughly this year all the way up to 174 in 2012. we see this number increase, you're going to see more and more advertisers coming to online video advertising. Um, What that means for us is that we're going to see more in-page video ads. So you're going to be reading a story on your favorite news website and you're going to see a video ad that you can actually play within the page. And you're going to also see more self-service ad platforms like Google Video Today um, where you can actually broadcast your video ads without having to engage an agency. When I say that every advertiser who wants to better engage users without interrupting their experience, what I mean by that is, in general, users know that if they click on a banner ad on a page, they're going to be taken away from that page. Their experience is interrupted. They didn't come to the web to see your advertisements. But if they know that they can engage with your ad on the page, get all the information that they need to get and that you want to give them, they're more inclined to use it. And in fact, studies are showing that... Longer ads are more effective at branding. That kind of data is what is going to continue to support moving traditional TV dollars to the web. Um, So you can watch more and more video advertisements coming to you. And just to give you an example of a very big company that's moving online, um, Rekit Binkster announced plans to shift an estimated $20 million in TV ad dollars to the web for more than fifteen of its brands, many of which I'm sure you have in your closet if you go look, LightSaw, Airwick, New Snacks, Finish and ClearCell. And the driving factors were that their audience preferred to consume media via digital video online versus TV. And it was the ability to deliver the same users at a much lower CPM online than in TV. And for them the really big key was that everything is measurable. So they're used to measuring their media in terms of TV growth rating points. So they're going to use a combined metric to understand whether their online advertising is working for them. And I think this is a great tool for any brand advertising who's trying to make that transition and compare web metrics to TV metrics and get them to sort of pull together. Um, and they're going to use additional interactive layers such as online coupons and click-throughs. Um, and then they're going to pair that data with Nielsen's home scan panel so that they can understand how the exposure to an ad on TV versus the web influences their in-store purchasing and behavior. So I really think what's next on the web is that you're going to see more and more of these online videos right within your user experience and you won't even have to leave the page.
0: Thanks, Maria. That's great. You know, I sort of sum up video with the quick story of YouTube. And YouTube Just three years ago, these two guys were trying to figure out how to get a video uploaded on the web. They started YouTube. They sold it to Google for $1.65 billion, and everyone wondered how Google would ever make YouTube work. It's now the number three website in the world. Uh, YouTube is number three on Alexa for the number of unique viewers and the number of unique visitors to uh, a website, so number three in the world. Video is definitely where it's at. Next up is Joe Laratro, also a good friend, and Joe's going to talk about hiring reputation managers and monitoring and responding through social media. He's the president of Tandem Interactive, also part of the faculty at the USF. He uh, technically goes back to the mid-80s when he ran a BBS out of his bedroom, and he sits on the advisory board for Webmaster World and is the current president of Safima, the South Florida Interactive Marketing Association. Joe, welcome to the webinar. Thank you, Jay.
5: All right, thank you all for attending and taking some time out of your lunch. I'm going to be pretty quick. Let's talk about something that's definitely an up and coming job slash profession within our industry now and that's reputation managers. Um, so I'm going to start by talking about the roles and responsibilities that this job or position has. Um, it would also be known as a brand ambassador, brand advocate, company evangelist or even just a customer support person. But today's businesses really need to be engaging social media, watching the web, watching search results and seeing what's going on. So there's really a need for a new person to come in and it's it's a full-time role. I mean, engaging social media is not a 10-minute a job, 10-minute a, a day job. It's it's a full-time job. So we've got things like promoting and maintaining the brand. Really monitoring the company name, the product names, seeing what's going on and where possible actually having a very positive message out there and engaging the community. Another thing this person would be doing is monitoring trademark usage. In some cases, trademarks are being abused in pay-per-click ads, in search, companies are, are using trademarks that they shouldn't be, putting things in ads and being a little bit deceptive. So definitely a part of this role would be to watch the trademark and make sure that the usage is proper and that it's not being abused in any way. Um, responding to and resolving complaints would be a, a core part of this role because there's so many things going on right now and people are doing a lot of research online. We want to have somebody that can actively promote the brand, actively respond to complaints and make sure that the message is positive about the company. Everybody makes mistakes, but companies that can correctly deal with mistakes show that they're human and they're doing a good job. One thing to consider is when not to engage in negative conversation and that's going to be more of a finesse role over time, but it's something that we've got to keep an eye on because certain conversations, if you do get involved with, can actually blow up in your face. Um, the, The person that's in charge of this role really needs to understand who's complaining, what the complaint is, is it something that can be dealt with, is it something that should just be left alone or should the conversation be engaged in. And I say responsibly engage messaging regarding the company. Responsibly is the, the key here because we can't jump in every conversation but we want to pay attention to what's going on. And Some of the places we're monitoring would be forums, reviews on different types of sites, Definitely review sites. There are specific sites like Yelp that exist just to review companies. We've got to keep an eye on blogs and see what people are blogging blogging about regarding our brand, our company, our CEO, our employees, or our products. Definitely want to be monitoring Twitter, Facebook, and many of the other social sites. So here's some of the tools they will use. Um, Google Alerts. Anybody can do this today. Go to Google, search a keyword, your brand, a company, a person's name that's very important to you. Go to the News section. At the bottom of the page, you can select you want to set up a Google Alert for this term. Every day, you will get an email when there's something relative to that term. It's it's free. It's a very inexpensive way to do it. Track UR gets a little bit more complicated. They're monitoring things quicker. Um, It's a good service. I believe there's a free and a paid version. Um, Any of these services you really don't use exclusively, if you're going to use Track UR, you're probably going to keep using Google Alerts and just keep an eye on different things because these services do pick up different mentions of your names in different places. TweetDeck is a program for Twitter. In TweetDeck you can actually set up a, a panel on your screen where it's monitoring your top search terms and every time your term is mentioned you're getting a record of that terms being mentioned. and You can decide whether it's something you should respond to or just something you should be aware of and is another service. So why do we need reputation managers? Well, with swine flu, somebody had to say it. You know, maybe we're going to be staying at home a little more, and people are going to be spending some more time researching before they buy. Um, I guess I, I don't get any laughter because one-way audience, but. Uh, another thing is we're in a down economy people are are not just spending money they're going to make more informed purchasing decisions they're going to go to the web and they're going to research that product they're going to research that car they're going to research that new blu-ray dvd player before they buy it they're going to see what the reviews are and really decide is this something that I want to be involved in is this a product I want to buy negative results on brand searches definitely equal lower sales there's quite a few case studies on this but there's companies that can lose 10 or 20% from having one or two bad or negative responses to companies that have gone almost out of business. There was a local furniture store in South Florida that one of the reasons why they went out of business was was attributed to some really negative things that were found when you Google their name. Uh, poor customer services definitely equal lower sales. If you're not taking the time to respond to complaints, try to change the processes within the company to make them better, uh, people will see that. And when people complain about poor customer service, definitely going to get the lower sales. And poor reputation simply means more sales for your competitors. If you Google your name and there's more negative than positive, somebody's going to go find someone else to do business with. So who's ahead of the curve? And there's a couple interesting things going on here. Comcast, who probably has jumped on every social bandwagon earlier than most companies, has a Twitter account called Comcast Cares. Uh, people are upset that they're... Comcast representative didn't get there in time. They're upset with their service. Whatever they're upset about, Comcast cares, actually answers you very quickly and will try to resolve the problem. This is a very proactive approach and very effective use of social media. Pizza Hut just released that they were hiring Twitter turns for the summer. So that's a new summer internship that you can get with Pizza Hut corporate and be twittering about Pizza Hut um, as your summer job. PR Web, I, I was actually pretty impressed that I got a cool email from PR Web inviting me as a VIP to take some surveys, so I posted it on there. Within an hour, I had a response on Twitter from PR Web saying, Yes, I am a VIP, which is very nice. Um, and this even goes further back. Google guy, which is Matt Cutts, got involved with Webmaster World, a forum, years ago, and was Google's voice. So instead of a bunch of webmasters complaining about what's going on at Google, we actually had a representation from Google. Another example is Tabman. This is a guy that works for Bennett uh, Tabs, which is a device made for fishing boats. Well, he's very active in fishing forms, and whenever somebody's asking general questions about tabs on a boat, he's there to answer. And if somebody has specific questions about the type of tabs that he happens to represent, he's there for that as well. And one more that I didn't put on this slide is recently Chris Brogan, who's a very active Twitterer, was tweeting about a Cadillac he saw on the road that he thought was great. Well, Cadillac monitored that and actually sent him an invite out to their factory to come demo some of their vehicles as long as he tweeted about them. So I mean, that seemed, that's, that's really what's happening, and this is where we're going with, with social and search.
0: Thanks, Joe. That's great. Yeah, You bring up a really good point, hiring a twintern or a Twitter intern. And when you get into crisis management stuff, you definitely want to have someone uh, jumping in to help if uh, it's just a summer student uh, monitoring your Twitter responses. Um, I'm going to keep things going to get in on time. Um, next up is David McInnes. I mentioned that David uh, is one of my sort of web icons. He founded PR Web in 1997. A couple of us have already mentioned PR Web. We sent out a press release for this event using PR Web. And David founded the company. He sold it in 2006 and started his new venture called People Pond. Um, let's uh, get right into David and find out all about it.
6: Well, when it comes to what's next in, in internet marketing, I, I still think content is the next big thing. Um, I, I think if we can de-emphasize Google and, and place more of an emphasis on providing value in the form of uh, content to to potential users, customers, anybody online, basically, um, that the, the whole... Um, Google thing will take care of itself because of the way the social web is work, working now. One of the things that, that really annoys me is, is when I go to register for a white, I download a white paper that require registration. Why can't I just have the white paper and, uh, without registration? And I think the answer is that because they don't trust the value of the, of the service offering and they need to follow it up with a sales call. But if you don't have a white paper that's good enough to in a customer and, and convert, then you need to hire a better copywriter instead of putting it behind a firewall and making me register for it. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Doing what's, what's better for the online community will actually benefit you in Google search results as well. And um, imagine that white paper being out, freely searchable on Google, um, having 10,000 reads instead of 100 registrations. And... and uh, putting more time and effort into creating a powerful, valuable white paper that actually converts rather than trying to grab a handful of email addresses and phone numbers. And when you're looking at new places to grab content, look at at people. Your employee base, your customers, um, authors that you might have in that mix, and you'll find some very powerful brand advocates. And so when we created PeoplePond, We looked at what, what is the, what is the one thing that every business has in common and that's people. And so that's where we started. We're building this whole pond ecosystem up around companies and authors and books and, and expertise and things like that. But we had to start with the most atomic unit, which was the person. And, and so let's, let's think of using our, the people that we have in our organization and our, in ourselves as brand advocates. And, and encourage them to actually go out and proactively tell our story for us. It was mentioned earlier, you know, the whole idea behind reputation management is is being in control of your story. If you're not telling the story, someone else is. And and the whole trick to the reputation management is to get the people who love you to talk about you more than the people that don't care about you very much. And... Um, you know, if you if you engage people, I I technically say hey, engage people. You know, when you find a dissatisfied customer, figure out a way to engage them off offline. Um, it's it's more personal, and and you're not adding to the content, right? Because the content ultimately drives Google traffic, and and unless it's a place where you can see where you can you feel like you could actually. Demonstrate how you resolve the conflict. Take it offline and and help the help the customer at that point. But but for Pete's sake, do not add to that to that piece of content because that will drive it up in the search results. So creating a personal brand is is more important today than it's ever been online. And so this is why one of the reasons we created PeoplePond was to allow people to actually go out and create this currency for themselves. That can be traded as you know hey i've got my i've got my degrees i've got my experience and you're also hiring me because i've got a great personal brand and when we're out doing that there's so many opportunities right so i just typed in bob here at at norm.com and this is a great tool where you could type in your name or your brand and you can see if it's registered and if it's not registered you can go ahead and register it um i personally only select and only only Register for the services that I actually feel like I'm going to add value, or where I feel like I can add value and create content that's useful to that user base. Um, there is a school of thought to say, "Hey, you know, go ahead and register your brand in all of them, so you so you you don't have people hijacking your brand." But that's a probably a good idea. I I just do the ones where I feel like I can add value, um, and then so we've developed this whole thing called some elastic SEO, and I. I posted a, a blog post on today at blog.cranberry.com to go along with this concept more in depth. But basically, you create a centralized brand profile for yourself, and you link out to every one of those social media places where you're engaged in, and then from those social media pro- public profile pages, you link back to your brand profile, and it creates this elastic strategy where, and where if you focus all your all your SEO attention on the brand profile, that, that central brand profile, all your other social media content will be in an organic lift, and it's really been fun to watch that happen.
0: Okay, um, Rohit is the Senior Vice President of Strategy and Marketing of 360 Digital Influence over at Ogilvy PR. He's the author of an award-winning great book called Personality Not Included and I first came across his blog, the Influential Marketing blog, about three times within two weeks. Different people referred to it, and I read his blog post and said, wow, this is great, great stuff. So I was proud to get to know Rohit and do a bunch of things together. Um, Go ahead with the rise of mystery.
7: Okay, so um, I have a a slightly different kind of take on on what's coming next, and really what I Thought I would do very quickly in uh, in my five-minute slot is share something that I think has been going on and been empowered by social media for quite some time now and has recently been getting quite a bit of uh, attention. So what you're looking at right now, some of you might recognize, is the cover of the latest issue of Wired magazine, which was guest edited by J.J. Abrams, who is the creator of the TV show Lost and, and director of the new Star Trek movie that's coming out now. And basically, the interesting thing about this entire issue is that it's focused on this idea of mystery and the role of mystery in uh, in entertainment and in content that we all consume. And the reason why I decided to focus on this is because I think that there's a very interesting lesson about engagement here and one that often we don't think about or talk about in in the way that we put our marketing messages out there. So there's a lot of different channels for places where you can put your messages. There's a lot of ways of doing that. And one of the most powerful concepts, uh, and you might want to even consider it an emotional concept, is this idea of introducing mystery and engaging people with curiosity. So some people might recognize this secret code. Um, It's essentially off of an old Nintendo game uh, called Contra, Uh, but more broadly, it's from a company called Konami, which makes this secret code and put it into a few different games. The idea was that the code would give you a lot of extra lives so that you could finish the game, but the only way that you could find out about it was if somebody knew and somebody shared it with you. So it was sort of the ultimate secret behind that game and the way that you could get ahead in the game. Um, that's sort of what the game looked like, but um, the idea was that you gave people something to talk about, and they engage with it. So um, at the South by Southwest show in Austin a couple months ago, is I talked about this idea of curiosity marketing, and uh, what a few of us did for that session is we created a website that was all about secret offers from the event, because a lot of times you go to the event and you get all these discount codes. That's pretty much any event, and then they just get lost in your bag somewhere. And so the site was meant to bring all of these secret offers out. And really what we were talking about and what the session was focused on was we all have experienced these secret offers, these these VIP moments that we know about because we have uh, talked to somebody, or we know somebody on the inside, or we went to um, uh, In-N-Out Burger and ordered the secret a uh, secret burger that nobody else knows about. And we love to tell those stories over and over again. And now with social media, we have a network where we can actually talk about these stories and share them with more than just the people that we see on a daily basis. And that's a really, really powerful thing that can get people talking about uh, whatever it is that you're selling. So uh, this is an image from a restaurant in uh, Las Vegas called Mr. Lucky's Cafe that's part of the Hard Rock Cafe. And they have a secret menu item called the Gambler's Special, where for $7.77 you can get a steak and three shrimp and a baked potato. Um, so perfect for Las Vegas because there's lots of competition. It's another open 24-hours kind of place, but this is likely to stick in your memory. And when you're in Vegas and uh, possibly have had slightly too much to drink and possibly have lost slightly more money than you anticipated losing, uh, it's a perfect kind of solution to wanting to go somewhere and not actually spend the money that you don't have anymore. So the last point that I wanted to make here and, um, and what you're looking at now is there's a, a screen grab of a uh, website by a guy named uh, Scott Jordan, who owns a company called Scotty Vest, which makes this kind of geek clothing, uh, which is clothing that has lots of pockets for all your gadgets and everything. And what he's doing is he's got a lot of secret sales and special offers and videos and Twitter, and he's basically using all of these different tools to engage people and give them these offers to tell others about and to transfer the message. So here's a real example of a company that's taking all of these lessons of mystery and turning it into something very practical, which is how do I move more product, how do I sell more stuff? So you can really use these tools to bring people um, and things to life. What mystery does is is all of these different things, but essentially at the at the end of the day, and I'll let you read the slide. I don't need to read that to you, but at the end of the day, it gives people a reason to believe in in what you're doing and engages them beyond just putting an ad out there and hoping that they remember it, uh, because it's something that you told them that is a secret that they can then transfer on to somebody else. So this is a few things that mystery does. Um, there's also a free download of uh, of a PDF, which is a section of the book at the URL that uh, you'll see um, at the bottom of that screen where you can actually get a PDF on how to use curiosity marketing and how to put it into action for your business and sort of a step one, step two, step three kind of thing. It's only like a three-page uh, PDF, so it should be pretty easy to, to read for anyone.
0: Well, I want to thank all the panelists and, um, and everybody for attending. Uh, um, I'll stick around and take some questions. I know that A couple of the panelists do have to um, move on to another session. Um, Jim and Mari are at a conference right now, and and I believe they're speaking and participating this afternoon. But I'll be happy to take any questions now and um, open it up to the audience. Sharon Coward has a question. I'm going to try and open up your audio. Bear with me, please.
2: Hi, Jay. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, we can. Thank you for joining us. Sorry for the technical stuff here.
2: Yeah, that's okay. Hi. I was just wondering, um, would you say now that interruption marketing is pretty much dead on the Internet, that it's um, companies would be better off to move towards engagement marketing?
0: Well, I, I personally would say that engagement marketing is where it's at, Um you definitely want to have a two-way conversation. Um, does anyone else on the panel want to take that one?
4: Jay, it's Maria, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, please go ahead.
4: Yeah, so I, I would say the answer is absolutely yes, and I mean I think that's why you're going to see the proliferation of things like video ads and page. Um, you know, there's a campaign running right now uh, on a lot of parenting websites. And you can tell what I'm interested in these days, but there's a a campaign running by Oprah where she runs video clips of her upcoming show every day. So you're getting to find out what's on Oprah, but you don't actually have to click through to Oprah's website. And so she's engaging her audience online, um, she's trying to get in front of them on another screen, and then she's hopefully going to engage them at the television screen later in the day. I think more and more the challenge this is going to pose for marketers is that your traditional sort of interactive marketing metrics like click through rates are not going to be metrics by which you can effectively measure your campaigns and instead you're going to have to step back and say with things like video ads, how many people are playing the ad, how many people, typically a video ad will load with unmuted content, how many people are with muted content, how many people are unmuting the content. So it's really going to be more about that engagement metric and post-awareness type conversions rather than click throughs and direct conversions that we look at going forward. Um, Also in terms of engagement and video marketing, I think you're going to see more and more videos that are put out for entertainment are going to be interrupted by ads right within the videos, and studies have shown that people are not bothered by that. If they're getting something of value that they can't get elsewhere, like on TV, they're okay having to sit through a video online, um, and I think Hulu.com does that, actually. So those are some ideas of how you need to think about engagement. Um, but even more than this video, um, and maybe Joe wants to take a piece of this. Social media is about engagement. It's about listening and understanding what your audience is already talking about, what they're already saying about you, and understanding how to respond and nurture that conversation in an intelligent way. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: I have a question for the panel. You know, where are you guys engaging? What social media are you all using to uh, engage your audiences? (laughs) Anyone want to take that? Oh, go ahead, Mari.
2: Yeah, uh, my primary two sites are Facebook and Twitter, and people will often ask me if I had to choose one, which one would it be? And I honestly do not choose one. I choose them both. I use them simultaneously and for different purposes. And really, uh, you know, then I have my blog, and I'm on LinkedIn a little bit, and and I use Frame as an aggregator and all kinds of other tools. I have several YouTube channels. But my two primary sites I use, on a daily basis is Twitter and Facebook.